Welcome to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Now get ready for another episode of Dark Becomes Light with Heidi Hollis. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the host are thoughts and opinions only and do not necessarily reflect those of iHeartMedia, iHeartRadio, Coast to Coast AM, employees of Premier Networks or their sponsors and associates. You are encouraged to do the proper amount of research yourself depending on the subject matter and your needs. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Welcome to my show. Remember, each week, this is the place you come if you want to have your experiences about anything out of the ordinary be expressed, explained, give insight, or receive it. I want you to feel welcome. So just go to my main website, shadowfolks.com or heidihollis.com and tell me what's going on out there. And I will share it here on the air. Or if you want to be a guest on this program, you are also welcome to do that as well. Today is going to be a special show, as they all are, right? We have a good time on this program just talking about these things as we would with any other topic. Humanly flawed, sense of humor on top of it. I hope, anyways. We're all making ways in this uh, world. Today... We're going to explore the topic of synesthesia. Now, what synesthesia is, I'm going to have my guest, Patricia Lynn Duffy, explain after this first break. But it's something that's been scientifically proven that at least 4% of us have. And it is an extra level of sensory input that we receive in this world. How we perceive it, how we experience it. And we're all individuals. We all have unique DNA for a reason. So we also interpret the world differently. But there's a way to track synesthesia scientifically. And that is what makes this even more precious to all of us to know that we have these abilities, we do have something that uh, is worth exploring, worth taking those extra steps. And I'm going to share a little bit about myself and my steps into synesthesia. I have had Maureen Seberg on this program sharing about her experiences, her books. And uh, she also interviewed me for one of her articles in Psychology Today and her blog called Sensorium. And now to share a little bit more about what synesthesia is like for myself, because there's there's a ton of different categories. And I had never heard of it. I had never had it explained to myself prior to being connected to Maureen Siebert. And I have always had this understanding, this connection to what people would call inanimate objects. I, I never saw a barrier. And it, as a kid, they might say, oh, you're just somebody with a, an active imagination. For myself, it was just known. And I didn't feel like I had to explain or even express it. It was just there. 
And that seemed to transfer over from, you know, your teddy bear having a name and, and you have conversations as a kid to, oh, I'm going to hit this volleyball. And to communicate and have this understanding, I'm going to hit you now. Would you mind hitting your mark? That was the communication that I always seemed to have. And it wasn't like I had conversations. It was just an understanding. And, uh, almost an acknowledgement too. And it's hard to explain, but then you get something like a computer. And a computer has a lot of different components to it. And it just adds to the personality, much like, hey, you might give your car a name, you know, and it's like, does it have a personality? Does it have a certain trick to it to get it to move the right direction? That kind of thing. But again, it was nothing that I expressed. It was nothing I explained. But then I noticed that uh, sometimes... As a lot of people who are in the paranormal world, we might experience uh, street light inhibition, like the street lights will go out when you're around it. And people call those people sliders. Well, that happened to me all the time. And then you have strange things going on with your electronics, lights flickering and uh, a lot of things going wrong with computers or cashier machines when you go to step up to them. Like these things just happened. But I started noticing a communication almost like, I don't even know how to express it, but to get things to work better. Because I felt like I was obviously insulting these machines that they were not working for me. So I felt like I needed to approach it differently. And wow, it changed a lot for me. It didn't just remain as this conflicting nature. Oh, Heidi zapping things again. And I had a major problem with static electricity. And uh, I would zap everything and zap my fingertips so often during the day I started opening doors with my elbows. Uh, It was really a big problem. But I'm happy to say I found a way. I mean, we're always growing and learning. And I found a way to be able to get through this world with less shocking and computers crashing on me. And uh, then I started seeing that these computer things and different machinery would cooperate and do things I didn't even think to ask. And I give this example of playing Mario Brothers. I was in college and The first Mario didn't have a continuation button or program or method of extending your time. If you died at the end, you died at the end, and you'd have to start every single level over from the beginning. And I did that over and over, but I was switching between that one and Mario Brothers 3, which had a continuation, right? So it'd say, would you like to continue? Click yes. And it allowed you to do that at least three times over. So I'm going between these, having a good old time. When one of my friends walks into the room is watching me play. And uh, I am not kidding. This was just so wild to me. I died. And my friend starts laughing. It's like, ah, you got to start all over from the beginning. I said, no, I don't. It's going to ask me to continue. And it asks me, would you like to continue? I click yes. Bling. And I continue to replay that last level over again. And my friend's jaw almost hit the floor. and was like, that doesn't happen. I said, what do you mean? You're playing Mario 1. Mario 3 does that. The one that she's sitting there holding in her hands. And I'm like, I've been replaying this level for hours. 
I had no idea because I was switching between them. I expected it to happen. And because I expected it to happen, I found that to be a a special element in this whole process, this whole communication of having no doubts. It wasn't me asking, but it was me anticipating and expecting always uh, for something to happen. And it would. And uh, I've, I've heard now when I spoke of this on a program with Maureen Seberg, where they said, oh, there's a code that you click up left, right, I don't know, something to allow yourself to continue at the end of that game. I'm like, well, I, this after all these years, um, gee, I'm glad I know that now. But uh, back then, I sure didn't. Um, to me, it was like, there's a screen that never existed in this program. And it just did this for me out of it, the kindness of its heart. I mean, out of expectation, what was this? It, it was just so bizarre, but it continues. It continues. I, I had two separate screens on a computer, okay, a computer system at work. I'll just say it was uh, working in a, in a, a federal type building at the time. And uh, this was just a year ago. And I'm like, I'm putting on my background screens that I'd like for the two different screens, right? You share the same screen. When you have two different monitors, it's one giant screen. You should not be able to have two separate looks or anything like that. And I'm like, gosh, I really would like to have two separate images for each screen. I didn't question it. And I go to choose my two images I wanted for each screen. And lo and behold, it happened. I have two monitors hooked up to the same computer, working as one giant screen with two different changing images, mind you. It wasn't just the same image, but changing ones. I'm like, yay, this is awesome. It's working. Having a good old time with it. Well, somebody from the computer department comes in months later and they're like, can I speak with you? I'm like, yeah, sure. What? <laughs> it's like, how did you do this? And I'm like, do what? And it's like to, to have these two different images. You are sharing one screen. Your mouse goes between both screens. You cannot have two separate images. <laughs> and these are people who are you know, working for the government, high tech people, IT people. And I said, because I wanted it to. <laughs> and they're just like minds blown. And they were looking at it, trying to figure out how I did it. And uh, I I honestly, I just, you know, another nod to this, uh, this expectation that seems to happen, that I don't quite understand. And uh, I think some of it may be uh, partly, uh, well, this, this part is not poltergeist, but I have other instances that are like with inanimate objects, like an expectation for something to happen. And it does. And I'm like, hold it, that was just too purposeful. <laughs> I had to be a poltergeist. But um, some of it, it's just, uh, you know, how do you explain it, there's there's a communication. There's this this thing, this element. And Maureen Seberg considered me to be what's called a machine empath. I, I never again, I'd never heard of synesthesia. And then to be told that. And, and one thing I, I would always admit, like I don't say I'm psychic, I don't say I'm a medium, but I've always said I feel other people's pain. I feel other things around me. And so I'm empathic, you know, have empathy. So to move it to the level of machines, inanimate objects, 
okay, I, I guess uh, I guess that's where we're at. So that's what we're going to be speaking on, synesthesia with um, Patricia Duffy. And there's like over a hundred of these different types of uh, synesthesia that people live and it's an, an extension of themselves and and I totally get that it's that that sensory that just lets you know you're connected to everything around you it's part of you it's part of who you are and uh, yeah if you ever want to check out the article that was written on me by Maureen Seberg uh, go to my main website HeidiHollis.com or ShadowFolks.com and it's right there all right You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Stick around. We'll be right back. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great tasting all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. With age, our skin loses its elasticity. The most common complaints are under eye bags, wrinkles, crow's feet, and eyebrow sag. Now, diminish those visible signs of aging in mere minutes. Instantly Ageless from HealthyLooking.com is a velvety microcream that, when applied lightly, reveals visible, toned, lifted skin. Instant beauty. Stunning results women and men. Instantly Ageless was a hit on the Rachel Ray Show. Board certified dermatologist, Dr. Whitney Bowe. 
you're looking to try to turn back the clock on a budget, you know, in the privacy of your own home, but actually there's some recent technologies emerging, almost like changes the behavior of the skin right. while it sits on the skin. So we're going right, well, to test it now. All right, we're going to try a product this here. Is it's more accessible, right? Ageless. You know, we'll go backstage, we'll test it out. It's a cream. You literally just put it on. So we'll put on a really thin layer, and we're going to see if it sort of lives see if up it to makes the any difference. And then she went off to try a product called Instantly Ageless. Yeah. Instantly, you could see a difference. Even the cameraman were like, wow, look at the difference. Yeah. I mean, but I would definitely use this product. This product. Within minutes of applying it, it was actually a very dramatic rejuvenation. Get your Instantly Ageless now at our exclusive website, HealthyLooking.com, or by phone at 800-604-3129. That's 800-604-3129. Within minutes, you can take years off your looks and reveal visibly toned, lifted skin. Try our starter kit, postage paid, for only $19.99, or stock up with a full-sized box at a newly reduced price. Not available in stores. Instantly ageless at healthylooking.com or 800-604-3129. Instantly ageless from healthylooking.com. The Coast to Coast AM mobile app is here and waiting for you right now. And with the app, you can hear classic shows from the past seven years, listen to the current live show, and get access to the Art Bell Vault where you can listen to uninterrupted audio. Head on over to the coasttocoastam.com website. We have a handy video guide to help you get the most out of your mobile app usage. All the info is waiting for you now at coasttocoastam.com. That's coasttocoastam.com. Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. <laughs> Today's guest is Patricia Lynn Duffy. She is the author of Blue Cats and Chartreuse Kittens, How Synesthetes Color Their Worlds. She is the first author to write about her synesthesia. And an audio version of this classic synesthesia story has just come out with research updates and music by synesthete musicians from Audible. Patricia feels that synesthesia opens a door to what she calls personal coding, which is a greater awareness of the diverse, unique ways each of us thinks, feels, and codes and knowledge. I am so excited to be introducing Patricia Duffy. How are you doing today, Patricia? I'm good. I'm good. And how are you today? Oh, my. It's uh, been a wonderful and uh, fabulous day. And oh, the world of synesthesia. I, I, I wish I knew that this existed. And you were the first to like step out and say, this is who I am. And this is how <laughs> I experienced the world in a book. How was that experience for you when you you did that? Well, um, I don't know if I can say I was the very first to say that I'm a synesthete, but I, it looks like I was the very first to write a book about the experience of, of synesthesia. And yeah, it, it was actually a wonderful um, kind of liberating <laughs> experience um, because back when I was doing my research for the book, so little was really known about synesthesia. There were, weren't many reports out in the media yet. And, um, you know, it was really unknown territory. And if I said to people, you know, 
words have colors for me. Every word has a different color, which is the case. Um, I hear words, but I don't only hear them. I also see their colors. Um, and this is probably a very common form of synesthesia. It's only one of many varieties of, of synesthesia. There are people, for example, who hear music but they don't only hear the music, they also see the music. The music has colors and shapes and sometimes even textures for them, sometimes even movement. There are all sorts of ways that the senses can cross over and blend and combine, which is really the kind of definition of synesthesia. Uh, for some people, words have taste. Every word has a different taste. They hear a word and it makes them taste something. So. You know, yeah, I think the study of synesthesia has shown us how different parts of the brain that we thought didn't really have very much communication can have communication and that this is really activated in some people and maybe all people have this capacity. But yeah, I mean, your question is very interesting because as I said, back when I was first researching it, so little was known about it that people would kind of look at me like, what? Right? Are you inventing this? Um, do you just have a very, very active imagination? Um, are you a little bit, you know, a little bit loopy? Um, so it, <laughs> um, the fact that, you know, the scientific community was embracing the study of synesthesia. In fact, it was a, a researcher, a very pioneering researcher um, at Cambridge University, Dr. Simon Baron Cohen, who was one of the first uh, to lead a research team trying to understand why it was that some people experienced words as having color. And he actually set up a series of brain scanning experiments where he read a list of words to people who reported this experience. And he looked on the, the brain scan and he found that there was activation. When they heard words, there was activation, not only in the part of the brain that controls language production, you would expect that to be activated upon hearing words, but also in the part of the brain that controls color perception. So to their surprise, you know, um, it was as if people with synesthesia were experiencing words as colorful objects. And this was probably one of the first forms of synesthesia to be studied, but there are so many uh, different varieties of synesthesia and different ways that the senses can cross over and combine. And, you know, interestingly enough, once, you know, the scientific community was providing validation for these experiences, we began to have conferences, academic conferences on synesthesia, and then more and more people started to kind of emerge, you know, and say, yeah, I've, I've always experienced, you know, words as having color or music as having shapes or, or maybe even words as having tastes, but I... You know, I didn't know why. I didn't know whether I was, you know, just crazy. I didn't know. I didn't want to talk about it because it sounded weird to people. Um, but it was a wonderful thing uh, just to find more and more people at conferences on the Internet. The Internet really provided a wonderful world for people with synesthesia and those who study them. Uh, to connect and to form a community. Yeah. And I think that the study of synesthesia is really important because, you know, just as in recent decades, I think all of us have come to better appreciate our human 
ethnic diversity, cultural diversity, and to appreciate that. So the study of synesthesia is really just an extension of that. We get Now we get to appreciate our neural diversity and the fact that, that no two of us is processing information in quite the same way. Which, that's awesome. It, so many times, uh, like what you're saying, you know, I think children were put off to believe, oh, you got an active imagination. That's mm-hmm. all that is. And and now to be able to pull it into the scientific realm and say, no, actually, mom, uh, let me point out to you here, uh, Pat, uh, Patricia Duffy's book. Um, <laughs> this is a thing. This is really happening. And uh, I, I love that we have that to go to. And you know, I, you're saying how so many people are, are coming forward. I'm new to this. I, I'm, I'm so blown away with this uh, reality that um, it, it, we're a lot greater and more uh, complex than we ever knew. And to think that, that there's still people that are isolated and thinking that, like you said, my, oh, I must be crazy. What, what's happening here? How can we encourage parents who might have children who speak of seeing colors with music or whatnot? Well, you know, I'm really very happy to report. And and um, in my in the audiobook version of of my book Blue Cats that just recently came out, um, I've included an afterword that has information about some of the latest research and trends in synesthesia that have happened since the original print book was published. And now, thanks to Dr. Julia Simner, who is at the University of Sussex in in England, there is now something called a synesthesia toolkit for parents. Um, And it it is available to teachers in schools um, to share with parents whose children might have synesthesia. And it has information about synesthesia and how it might work in the case of, of different children in their language development, um, in their uh, you know development in, in different different ways, and and what is the best way for teachers and for parents to react to it and to encourage it, and um, I think this is a really wonderful development. And um, also, you know, it's for too long, you know, I've, when, I, when I was writing my book and I was interviewing other people with synesthesia, you know, I had really so many kind of sad stories about um, people telling me childhood experiences where they mentioned that everybody's name had a color and their parents said, what, you must be very stupid or very silly to say things like that. That doesn't make any sense. And then, of course, the child feels like, oh, no, there's I've done something wrong. There's something wrong with me. Um, There was another uh, person I interviewed who told me that when she was a child, she she told her parent, her teachers that, you know, she said, yes, well, I'm writing down the colors of everything you say. And the teacher said, what are you talking about? The colors of what I say that doesn't make any, you know, what are you saying? It doesn't make any sense. And she began to feel that she had to hide this. And, uh, you know, she said that she began to think of it as a secret magic, <laughs> that it was something, you know, that she appreciated, she, which was a very good thing because, you know, many children begin to internalize the negative reactions they've had. 
in the case of this person, she continued to appreciate it, but she just knew that she couldn't, you know, other people would not. So she didn't share it um, with most other people. Um, but it, it really is important that, uh, that parents know that they're, they don't need to worry if their children talk about synesthetic experiences. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong uh, with the child. Um, it, there are many actually positive uh, effects of, of synesthetic experience. Uh, synesthetes are, are generally known to have particularly good memories. Um, there was a study done at uh, University of, of California at San Diego that showed people with synesthesia, various forms are eight times more likely to be in the creative professions than people without synesthesia, which means they're very, very drawn to innovation, creativity, the, the arts. Um, and, you know, we know that sometimes uh, synesthesia is, is not in every case, of course, but sometimes it's connected to uh, some very, very, you know, special abilities, um, even kind of savant-like uh, abilities. So synesthesia is not something that parents should discourage in children. Uh, maybe try to listen, understand, and encourage the child more to talk about it and even yes. to express it. Now, you know, most parents are just most concerned. Does this prevent my child from learning certain things? And that's all that, that they have going through their heads. Like, is this a learning disability or an extra ability? And you're leaning towards this is more of an ability in the creative realm. But there's also those who are very keen to numbers and musical notes and a, a spelling with synesthesia, correct? Yes, actually, it seems to be, um, you know, a kind of a, an enhancement of, of the ability to spell because the words are, the, the child is, is kind of visualizing words quite automatically spelled out in their different colors. Fascinating. Well, we've got to get to our next break. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Carnival Podcast Network. We'll be right back. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. 
and paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. At ParanormalDate.com, you meet the most fantastic people. Hi, I'm Tom. Hi, I'm Jennifer. What brings you here? Yeah, I'm here to meet someone who understands me. How so? Well, I'm into UFOs, ghosts, aliens, Bigfoot, conspiracy theories, the paranormal, that kind of stuff. But can't seem to find anyone who gets it. Oh, well, um, nice to meet you, Tom. I, I gotta go. Uh, okay. Guess that's not your cup of tea. You sure? Very. Good luck with that. I can't meet anyone when I'm out and I really can't find a website for my unique interests. What does one to do? Have you thought about ParanormalDate.com? Para what dot what? Who are you? I'm a paranormal matchmaker and it's ParanormalDate.com It's a website for people looking for people like them. Stuff you like, remember? Interesting. Uh, I'll give it a try. Well, let's try this again. Uh, hi, I'm Tom. Hey, I'm Deb. Your profile on Paranormal date.com looked very interesting. So you really saw a UFO? Well, yeah. It was so intense, but not as intense as meeting you. You're an alien chasing flirt, but I kind of like it. Wow. This paranormaldate.com thing really works. Maybe paranormaldate.com is for you. People with an interest in things they hear on George's show find their match daily. So if you're looking for that special someone with an interest in UFOs, ghosts, aliens, big Bigfoot, conspiracy theories, and of course, the paranormal. Come to the dating site inspired by George Norrie. It's always free to search, and if you decide to upgrade to our amazing new features, use promo code GEORGE for a great discount. ParanormalDate.com. You are not alone. Hey folks, we need your music. Hey, it's producer Tom at Coast to Coast AM, and every first Sunday of the month, we play music from emerging artists just like you. If you're a musician or a singer and have recorded music you'd like to submit, it's very easy. Just go to coasttocoastam.com, click the Emerging Artist banner in the carousel, follow the instructions, and we just might play your music on the air. Go now to coasttocoastam.com to send us your recording. That's coasttocoastam.com. Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I have Pat Duffy, who is really giving us a lowdown on what it is to be human. Some people would say superhuman, but I'm feeling like this is a human ability that so many of us do have, but it's not a huge percentage necessarily. So how do we know that, though? I mean, I think I heard the number. Was it 4% of the population? Yeah, 4% of the population experience some form of synesthesia. 
Um, and there are, I think, according to the most recent data, there is something like at least 65 different different forms of synesthesia, different ways that the senses can blend and and combine and uh, and and create particular perceptions. Um, so there are many, many different forms of synesthesia. And it seems the more we study it, uh, the more we realize that it's a it's a it's a lot more common. When I, for example, when I first started doing my research into synesthesia, which was probably in the early 1990s, I think the statistics I read were, oh, this is something extremely rare. Maybe one in 10 million people experience this. And Okay, after the Cambridge University study, it was one in 2000. That was back in the, you know, 1997 or something like that. Now with, you know, with subsequent studies, we realize it's even a lot more common than that. It's something like, you know, as you said, 4% of the population. Um, when it comes to the kind of synesthesia that I experience, uh, the colored word, colored number synesthesia, that is between one and 2% of the population. Um, it's probably one of the most common forms of synesthesia. Uh, and it's also been probably the most studied form. Um, but I think there's a lot, a lot more, a lot more studies uh, to be done in this area. I also think that synesthesia opens a door to considering so many different types of perceptions um, that all of us have, because it's not only people with synesthesia, it's every person on the planet that has a very unique neural pattern, a very unique way of processing uh, information and, and for coding knowledge. And then yeah. in the opening, you mentioned personal coding, and that's yeah. what I mean by that. Now, and it's not an emotional thing, or can it evoke and intertwine emotions? Like when somebody hears music, they might get goosebumps. Uh, mm -hmm. that, I mean, it doesn't quite make sense. Why would somebody get goosebumps? I mean, is, is that uh, kind of a lead into synesthesia type experiences? Or what are we, what are we speaking of? Is all neurological or is that spiritual emotional content deep in there? I think it's I think it's uh, you know, it's all part of a continuum, let's say, of or, you know, of, of a spectrum of, of possible ways, human ways. Right. That we can uh, react if for some people report a, a, a very, you know, a very great emotional component to their synesthetic experience. Um, certainly with music, music evokes emotions anyway. And the color is just becomes another aspect of, of that, uh, you know, that, that emotional, uh, you know, stimulation that the person feels. Um, in the, even in the case of uh, word synesthesia, there, I've, I've interviewed synesthetes that personify the letters of the alphabet. They say, I don't experience this myself, but, um, you know, a number of people will say, oh yeah, each letter of the alphabet has a particular personality. And there are some letters that I like because, you know, they're very, they're very kind of easygoing and friendly, like, like the letter O or the letter P. And there are some letters like K that I don't like because, you know, that, you know, they're kind of a sharp, um, angular, you know, nervous sort of sort of person. It's not that warm and, and fuzzy. Um, so, you know, people... Uh, there is an emotional component to synesthesia. I, I think uh, the emotional component might vary with, with the individual. 
Um, there are some people who are kind of more, yeah, yeah, the words have colors, but they don't feel a great uh, emotional attachment uh, to any of the colors. It's just kind of observing what they are. Um, so I think people can experience it in many, in many different ways. Interestingly, um, there is a professor, Roger Walsh, at the University of California at Irvine, and uh, he found that people who don't normally experience synesthesia will experience it when they are in very deep states of meditation. He followed a group of very serious meditators um, over a number of years, and he found that this was an experience that quite a lot of them began to have, even though they did not have it um, before they started meditating or when they were not meditating. So, you know, this also kind of indicates some sort of capacity in, in, in all of us um, for, for a synesthetic experience. We know that people report experiences like that sometimes when they take hallucinogenic drugs, right? We know that um, people have reported, oh yeah, the, the music had all these sh moving shapes and maybe they did not experience that without the drug experience. But obviously the drug um, activated something, some capacity, uh, which maybe in some people, who knows why, but some people uh, that capacity is just automatically activated. That's fascinating um, because it, 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 it lets us know, like you said, it's just something that is attainable somehow in some form. And, and as we've discussed on uh, another occasion, uh, sometimes people have brain injuries and it triggers a certain part of the brain to interpret the world as it was meant to be maybe, or however it is uh, more unique now to the person. So it, it, the brain is, is so magnificent. And, and, you know, with, the type of audience that I have, and we're all into uh, matters of uh, the extreme and the mysterious. I'm curious if people who have these different varieties of synesthesia are interpreting also the world of the paranormal or spiritual experiences more easily or more profound than the next person. I mean, how how would you think somebody could, uh, like, for instance, some people see a UFO in the sky. There could be 50 people there. Some people don't see anything. Others mm -hmm. see, uh, a handful will see extraordinary colors, while others will just see a metal disc. You know, like, what are we talking about here? Yeah, this this is this is one of the great mysteries of, of perception and, you know, and Perhaps the study of things like synesthesia will will kind of enlighten us about that. But but uh, but you're absolutely right. I would say in interviewing, uh, you know, a great number of synesthetes for my book, there's there's really a, a kind of um, spectrum. I mean, there's a there's a whole array of ways that people interpret their synesthesia. However, um, I would say that, you know, synesthesia, synesthetic experiences have, have often been reported as part of mystical experiences. Um, I, there's, for example, there is a part of the Bible uh, in Exodus where the people are gathered with Moses at Mount Sinai, and it describes how together they all, they all saw the voice of God and heard visions. 
So it seems, you know, that that certainly sounds like a very yeah. uh, synesthetic uh, description. Um, we also know that, uh, you know, Rambeau and Baudelaire, right, these great poets of, of the, the 19th century, um, they were fascinated with synesthesia. Uh, in fact, it was quite fashionable in, in, that, in that circle of poets to be a true synesthete because uh, some of the poets had these kinds of, you know, very kind of mystical experiences as a result of experimenting with, uh, with drugs, right, that were, that were popular at, at the time um, with hashish and so on. They had experiences like that. But Rambeau actually, you know, he, he loved reading medical encyclopedias to try to find some reference to what he had experienced, you know, during these altered states. And in reading the medical encyclopedia, he was amazed to find that there was actually a documented condition. Back then it was, it was referred to more as chromosthesia, which is, you know, you know uh, sort of color sensation. Um, and he, without taking any drugs at all, he said, wow, you mean there are people who just, they just experience what I experienced without doing anything special, without ingesting anything. And he thought these people must be connected automatically in touch with some more sublime level of, of reality. And there was, there was that belief among uh, the circle of 19th century poets. And in fact, it, it led Rambeau to writing a very famous what became a very famous poem called Sonnet of the Vowels, where he talks about how each vowel has a different color. And then, um, you know, that description kind of spins off into this description of all sorts of surreal landscapes and, and so on in, in the poem. Amazing. And, and interestingly, scientists at the time, the scientific community was so fascinated by the poem that it actually you know, they began to, to, to study synesthesia more. Before that, it had been a documented condition, but people didn't, you know, most scientists didn't pay much attention to it. Um, but after that, I think something like uh, four times the number of papers on synesthesia were presented at, at a major academic conference in Paris. I think it was the Conference on Physiological Psychology. Uh, in 1889, and 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 after that, you know, the the study of uh, synesthesia was was taken more seriously. It stopped at a certain point. Um, people say when behaviorist psychology came in vogue later in the uh, 20th century, um, and you know, there was no way to kind of test uh, in an empirical way whether people were really having. What, what did people mean when they said they were having these uh, these these unusual experiences? We don't have any way to test for that. How do we know it's really happening? Maybe it's just their imagination. You know, <laughs> things are often dismissed, as you as you mentioned earlier. Um, things are often yes, too yeah. dismissed as oh, it's just your imagination. Um, oh, yes. maybe you are just an artistic type Indeed. of person. Indeed, even when it comes to the topic of UFOs, but we're finding out. Oh, gee, the government had them all along. Well, we've got to get to our next break. <laughs> You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. We'll be right back. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, 
Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. The loss of hair is definitely not something that gets better with age. In fact, at age 20, 20% of men and women show noticeable hair loss. By 60... That number is closer to two-thirds. With that in mind, Dr. Nathan Newman saw an opportunity. Easy-to-use Reveal is so much different than the tired old products on the market. Reveal uses stem cell technology and natural ingredients to revitalize the appearance of your hair for a fuller look. Here's more on Reveal with Dr. Newman. In the Reveal skincare products, we were very conscious to use everything that is natural from our plant stem cells or from plant extracts that are not going to damage your hair or cause irritation. Because most of the products that we had, uh, phthalate, a lot of alcohol, parabens, or things that we didn't really want to expose our health or our hair to, we were very conscious about keeping the Reveal hair care system very natural. And even the preservatives that we use is a natural preservative from plants. You cannot find many products out there that give you all the benefits without all the problems. Join thousands of women and men enjoying fuller-looking hair with Reveal. And only at HealthyLooking.com can you get Reveal with free smart delivery shipping. Just remember discount code GEORGE at checkout. Easy-to-use, award-winning Reveal can be yours in days by ordering now at HealthyLooking.com. That's HealthyLooking.com. Or by phone, toll-free, 24-7, That's 800-604-3129. Reveal from HealthyLooking.com. The four. Organization. 
The Art Bell Vault has classic audio waiting for you now. Go to coasttocoastam.com for details. Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. And I have Pat Duffy. And wow, we're really getting into the conversations of what it is to be a real human. And it seems like the possibilities of evolutionary processes that are going on among a lot of us. 4% officially, but we're finding that it's something that can be triggered as well. And you know, something when it comes to uh, those who experience synesthesia, and you're speaking of uh, you know, words that have colors or sound to these individuals, is it always consistent what they see and experience? Or is it something that's changing for them as well? Well, generally, it's considered one of the hallmarks of, of, of synesthetic experience that um, generally speaking, the, the colors, if you have particular colors for words or alphabet letters or musical notes, that this is, this is very consistent. And in fact, that is one of the tests, um, you know, when um, universities do their studies of synesthesia and they, they look for subjects, for volunteer subjects to, to be in these studies, well, they want to know, you know, does this person really experience synesthesia or did maybe they just think they do? They're not really sure what it is. And they do give a test. And one of those tests is that they have the person identify all, for example, the colors they experience for their alphabet, all 26 letters and colors. And then six months later, they'll call, they'll just, uh, you know, without warning, call them back into the lab and say, okay, could you tell, tell us what those colors are again? And it has to be something like 90% consistent. They know that um, that it always is for, for genuine synesthetes and it's it's not for for other people, even if they try to memorize. Most people um, can't, you know, can't retain all of that. So the <laughs> consistency is, is, is important. Now, <laughs> this is a this 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 little synesthetic uh, aspect that some people experience, I think would be very distracting when people describe tasting words or or names of, of things. It's like, I, I think I understand better uh, that phrase, you put a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, interestingly, you know, I think some of our metaphors might originate from uh, people's synesthetic uh, experiences. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, now, this is also an interesting thing about, uh, you know, there, there are different kinds of synesthesia. There's what we call developmental synesthesia, which means ever since the person can remember that, you know, words have had color or music has had colors or shapes, they, they don't know what it is to experience that in any other way. It's just always been that way as far back as they, they can, you know, they can recall. Um, uh, there are other people who might, uh, suddenly develops a synesthetic experience as a result of a brain injury. They might have a, a head trauma, for example. And as a result of that, uh, you know, sounds they hear and words they hear tend to take on colors, which they did not have before. There are differences in the two experiences. Um, uh, 
For example, the, the people who have synesthesia as a result of head injury, usually the colors are not very consistent. They could, you know, you could hear the same sound and it might be red one day and green the next day. Um, and it is distracting for those people. It's very distracting for those people because they have, you know, they have not experienced it before. This suddenly coming into their consciousness um, is not a way that they've, you know, they've kind of uh, processed information before. However, developmental synesthetes who say, well, it's always been like that for me, are not distracted by the experience. It's just part and parcel of what they've always, how they've always perceived the world. And it would seem very strange to them if suddenly they didn't have it anymore. Um, if you ask, you know, most synesthetes, and I'm sure there are some exceptions, there might be, you know, there are, might be some people who say, oh, sometimes it's just overwhelming and I, I would rather not have it. But the vast majority will say, oh, no, I would never want to lose it. If you said, well, if I could snap my fingers and your synesthesia would go away, would you, would you like that? They say, no, <laughs> no. Exactly. Why would I want colors to disappear? Why would I want this other dimension of things to disappear? It's a part of um, you. It, it, I find it interesting, too. I've read somewhere that those who are remote viewers or are considered to be psychic or a medium, that uh, the best ones in those fields have synesthesia. Well, you know, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me that 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 would be an aspect of, of their experience. It just, you know, synesthesia is about uh, kind of having more avenues, right, more dimensions uh, to process information, to process the, the world, things right. that are coming in. And uh, so, so it wouldn't it, surprise me at all if synesthesia was part of that for some. But people. with the folks that are experiencing the paranormal, uh, the UFOs, and uh, even something they consider to be interdimensional, I can see how it is more profound for those certain people and how they may be better at, say, uh, doing remote viewing uh if they do have those extra avenues, that's, it's, it's kind of intriguing. I I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really curious about some of the, the scientific uh, research and, and what they find when those areas of the brain get triggered, but what stage would you say this research is at? I, it, it sounds like it's just forever growing. Like there's just so much that still hasn't been covered. Yeah, I, I think right now a lot of, uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is such a vast field. Um, and, and I think we're, we're still in the very, very beginning stages of it. Um, I think some very important research going on now is, is how synesthesia develops in, in children. Um, a long time ago, we had research on babies, you know, where we know that babies, let's say less than six months old, well, we could say that they all in a way have synesthesia because, um, you know, the, in, you know, the world that the baby perceives is kind of coming in as one undifferentiated whole because the brain has not developed enough yet to kind of compartmentalize all of its functions you know, that I'm hearing this, but I'm smelling this, but I'm seeing this, I'm touching this. Um, you know, everything is kind of, is kind of one. <laughs> uh, so what, actually one theory of synesthesia is that 
that, you know, as the brain matures and begins to compartmentalize its functions, in some people, this doesn't, you know, this process does not completely take place. Some overlap still remain. And that is why, you know, those people will continue to have this kind of blended perception in some area with maybe words having tastes and, and so on. Um, however, very recently, we have more uh, research on synesthesia in school aged children, because, you know, as you said before, parents are very concerned. They want to know, you know, they want to know everything that <laughs> Um, their child may be experiencing and if it's something that they should be concerned about or, or you know, not concerned about or um, uh, so I think this is a this is a real uh, area of focus right now. Another area of focus is whether or not synesthesia can be learned um, by adults. Um, can you can you teach it? Um, and uh, actually, there there is uh, there is a researcher who says that he was successful at teaching a group of adults to experience colored word synesthesia to um, after a nine week training period where they they read they read every day on tablets where the words were written in in various colors in a very consistent way um, so that after that nine week period a lot of them would report actually even when they read black text, you know, the usual black text against a white background, in some way they would they would continue to experience the colors, which is what synesthetes will report too. Um, the difference is that that with that experimental group, it, it kind of all faded for them, maybe three, you know, two or three months after the study, where with synesthetes it never fades. It just it just stays, just That's stays with you. Fascinating. I I think that uh, having more conversations about this, it's really going to expand and open up a lot of people's minds to uh, helping to explain for themselves and others around them uh, what it is that they've been experiencing. I I know for myself coming across this and and, and getting some things explained to me. I I know that I have synesthesia. I know I'm a synesthete. And it seems like the list is just growing and growing uh, all the different avenues that people experience synesthesia. So I, I'm, I commend you for your work and for being so brave to step forward and, and being the first to report because uh, in your, in your book, because it, it, there's something special about the person that does that. Uh, there's so many that could say they're a researcher of this or that, but to be a researcher and an experiencer, even in the field of the mysterious is really important. What are some of the resources that you can give for people to learn more about this? The synesthesiatree.com. Um, I also hope that that everyone is familiar with this wonderful column on synesthesia uh, in Psychology Today, a kind of regular blog that's written by Maureen Seberg, um, who's, who's interviewed a great variety of celebrated synesthetes. And by yeah. the way, this might be a good, a good chance to say that synesthetes are in good company. Some people that are out there in the public eye have talked a lot about their synesthesia. For example, Billie Eilish has talked about her experiences of the colors of, of music, as has uh, Pharrell Williams, right yes. who's very famous for his yeah. song happy there are more and more synesthetic characters in in it's fiction growing. These it, days. Is, it is growing and growing and maureen's a great friend and uh she interviewed me even in psychology today so i feel fortunate to meet you and her and uh wow opening up a lot of eyes thank you so much patricia duffy for coming on the show today this is great 
Oh, thank you for having me. I've so, so enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Blue Cats and Chartreuse Kittens. Everybody be sure to check out her new Audible book. And also remember to go to shadowfolks.com or HeidiHollis.com and send over whatever it is that you're experiencing out of the ordinary. And with that, we've come to the bottom of another fabulous episode. I hope to catch you next week. This has been Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. Be safe. Goodbye, everybody. Well, if you liked this edition of Dark Becomes Light, wait till you hear the next one. You've been listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.